Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, the 9th of July, 2020. And 2020 has been quite a year. And in many ways, it's been a year of controversy. So many different issues have come up where you probably even just look at your own circle of friends or your Christian community or many people even that you respect and see that they have different and even often conflicting opinions. I mean, let's go back to March when the COVID situation was really picking up steam and things were beginning to close down. And you probably saw people that you knew saying, wow, we are taking this way too seriously. While you maybe saw other people, even your church or your Christian community saying, we're not taking this seriously enough, guys. And many of those disagreements or opinions might even persist to this day with with other issues pertaining to what's going on. And then fast forward from March to uh, events that have happened in the recent months regarding race, equality, and justice in our country. And hopefully as Christians, we should all agree that everyone, regardless of skin color or background, deserves equal justice, dignity, and respect as a human being created in the image of God. But you've probably seen people you respect expressing differing opinions and ideas on how to make those things more of a reality in this country, with some people saying this would be the most helpful thing and others saying, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Here's something else. Well, how should we handle disagreements and conversations about controversial things? And that's where God's word is going to give us some clear instruction today, especially as we look at Galatians chapter 5 and verses 1 through 15. Galatians chapter 5 and verses 1 through 15. And it's going to tell us something that we clearly need to be doing. And it's going to warn us of things that we need to avoid as Christians, especially doing with one another, other Christians, especially Christians in the community of our local churches. Let's just pick it up in verse 13, where it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So we see there the positive. It says, no, through love, you should serve one another. We also see the negative where it says, hey, you need to watch out. You need to watch out because if you bite and devour one another, you're going to be consumed. You could destroy each other. You could destroy your churches. Now, let's get a little bit of context from this because this maybe seems like a different gear from what we have been reading in Galatians, where it's been really talking about salvation is by faith, not by works, not by ceremonies, not by circumcision, not by any of these things. And at the beginning of the chapter, he's making that point again, that even, hey, if you've put your faith in Christ and you've been set free through Christ, you don't need to go back and keep all these ceremonies and rituals. Instead, he says, verse six, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. 
So he's saying, what's going to cause you to grow as a Christian isn't ceremony and ritual. It's faith working through love. And then he gets to the practical outworking of that in verses 13 through 15, where he's saying, hey, you need to love one another and serve one another and not be fighting with one another. So as we think through, okay, how does that practically apply to the situations that we've experienced? Well, let's think about love, even from another passage that we didn't read today, but a familiar passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And then describes love in verse four there. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Uh, Someday, 2020 is going to be, you know, a date in the rear view that we look back at and say, wow, that was, that was a wild ride. But I think we need to look back and realize I think from God's perspective, we need to look back and not just think, hey, how did I handle the different situations I went through that year? We need to examine how did we treat people that year? And did we love one another as God would want us to? Because if we don't have love, it says we're we're, we're nothing. So here's some practical things I think we should be getting out of today's reading there from Galatians 5 in the context of everything that is going on around us. Even as we think through the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13 as well, that we see that love is patient. Love isn't irritable. So one thing we need to check our own hearts is that we need to not get too easily frustrated by our circumstances. And that's something I know I've had to deal with many times this year in the midst of all the disruptions. I need to keep my eyes focused on the Lord and not just getting frustrated by the the things going on around me. So we need to not get so easily frustrated by our circumstances or so easily offended by others. I think something about love, love for other people, even love that Christians should have for one another is that love gives us something of a thick skin. We're not so easily put off and offended by something that somebody else says. And what a shame it would be if we had strong Christian friendships or Christian community that broke down because we were too easily offended when somebody else said something that we didn't, that we didn't agree with. And one way we can, we can do that is by believing the best about somebody else instead of assuming the worst. That when somebody maybe says something that you don't fully agree with or something that Maybe they share a different perspective that instead of assuming the worst and judging that person's intentions, judging that person's motives, judging that person's intellect, maybe we assume the best and we we try to know more and try to understand more of why they think what they think and and, and why they're coming from wherever it is that they're coming from. And, And these would be things that would help us as we talk through things amongst Christians and amongst our Christian community and also would be helpful for us to exemplify to the world. We look at how the world around us is handling what's going on, and we see a lot of people just shouting at each other, whether literally or over social media or whatever it looks like. And I think as Christians, we can show what it looks like. Hey, I'm not going to agree with everything that the world is is saying, but I'm going to respond with grace and with truth. And we can model that even in our conversations with each other. But outside of all the controversy, let's not get sucked into that and miss the point that God wants us through love to serve one another. 
And that's where outside of all of these conversations, we need to have it on our own heart that every single day, my desire should be, how can I serve my Christian family? How can I serve my brothers and sisters in Christ? And so I want to challenge you with that today. What are you going to do today to serve somebody else in your Christian community, in your local church? When we focus on that, loving one another and serving one another, we're going to find it, hey, when things do come up that we might not have the same exact opinion on, we'll be able to work through that because we already have the pattern of loving one another and serving one another. This is so important all the time, not just right now. This will still be true a year from now, two years from now. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. We need to love each other. Jesus said that's how the world would know that we are his disciples if we love one another. So examine your own heart as you're walking through all the things life is throwing at you in 2020. Are you responding with love, especially in how you're treating other people? But also, what are you going to do today to serve someone else? And that's the example that Jesus set of serving other people. Well, we see that in Luke chapter 5 today. We read verses 12 through 26. And when we look at the miracles of Jesus, one thing we should note is the compassion that Jesus shows for people in need. Uh, Jesus shows that time and time again. We see that today as he heals the leper, how he heals the paralyzed man. I think that's something that comes through so often in what Jesus does. But we also remember that's not the main point of why Jesus was doing miracles. He's doing the miracles to point to who he is. And that's what we see really clearly with the paralyzed man. As they come and they they bring him down through the roof. And in verse 20 of Luke chapter 5, Jesus says to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So one question I bring up a lot as I'm preaching even is, Hey, how would you point somebody to the fact that Jesus Christ is God from the Bible? Well, this would be a great passage for you to go to. Because that's the whole point of this miracle. They're saying, Hey, you can't forgive sins unless you're God. And Jesus is saying, exactly. I am God and let me prove it to you when I tell this man, rise up and walk. This miracle proves that Jesus is who he says he is. This miracle proves that Jesus is God. And that's a lesson we need to take away from Luke chapter five today, a great and powerful expression of the deity of Christ. Now, we continue through the genealogies today in 1 Chronicles 7 and 8, and we'll start getting into more history tomorrow. And so I think today's a good day just to establish a little bit about 1 Chronicles for you, because you're going to get into it and be like, have I read this already? Because what you're going to read tomorrow, we're going to get into King Saul. And then the rest of 1 Chronicles, we're going to read about King David. And then 2 Chronicles, we're going to start looking at Solomon again. What's going on? Didn't I just read this in First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings? Well, the answer is a lot of it you did. But Chronicles gives us a little more history. And Chronicles really focuses on the house of David, where First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings have a broader scope than that. 
For, for instance, one thing you'll notice when we get into Second Chronicles is that First and Second Kings focus, they keep going back and forth between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Well, Chronicles is all going to focus on the southern kingdom of Judah because it'll talk about Saul for a little bit, but then really it's focused on David and then Solomon and then all of their descendants that were kings of Judah. So this is the book of Chronicles is really focused on David and the kingdom of Judah. And so you'll find some things that are very similar and recording the same things that happened in first and second Kings or in first and second Samuel, but then you'll find some things that are different. And even some Kings you'll learn more about in first and second Chronicles than you did in first and second Kings. I'd like to close our time today by looking at Psalm 81 together. And I was personally very encouraged by these these verses this morning, especially just the first verse there in Psalm 81 that says, Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Can you say today that God is your strength? Can you look above everything that's going on in our world and saying, hey, God is the one who's helping me endure. God is the one who is giving life and peace and hope and strength to me. And if you can, then then I hope you can say, man, I want to shout aloud, sing aloud to God my strength. I want to shout for joy. I want to raise a song. I want to worship him even through music because God is my strength. And it also just talks about how God is a deliverer. In verse 7, it says, In distress you called, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Now, it's getting into the Israelites going through the wilderness, but there's that idea that he, he delivered them. And how many times can we see that God has delivered us? And we need to look to him. Verse 10 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. We need to look to him. He is our strength. He is our hope today. We're going to see more about what the Israelites did in response to that as we finish up Psalm 81 tomorrow. But today, let's look to God. He is our strength. Let's worship him. And then in light of that freedom, in light of his deliverance, let's through love serve one another. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.